Would you look with me at uh, two openings this morning? First Samuel, the second chapter, and uh, Hebrews 12. First Samuel 2, Hebrews 12. We're beginning a new series this morning. Something uh, the Lord ministered to me some weeks ago, and I ministered some on in another state, another place. And uh, while it was going on, I just knew in my spirit, when and the time is right, we need to get into this in the church family. And if you're with us at Week of Increase, you know we talked about some things about the glory of God and the manifestation of God's presence, His Spirit, His anointing. And we should be hungry for these things. And I believe that you and I are living in a great time, in a great day. Evil seducers will wax worse and worse, and there's going to be ugly and bad stuff going on in the world. But even though we're in the world, we're not of it. We are of a different family. Somebody say glory to God. We. We're in a different family and we live based on a different system. And even though I am and many of you are citizens of the United States of America and so thankful for it and so thankful for this country, I have another citizenship. <laughs> you do too. Right? Everybody that's born again, we are citizens of heaven. Oh, glory to God. That supersedes every other citizenship. And God meets all our needs. According, not to this system and not to this world. It comes through it. But according to his riches in glory. So you and I should have a very different life than those who don't know God, shouldn't we? And there are prophecies in the Word and by the Spirit of great times of refreshing and the manifestation of God's presence and signs and wonders and powerful demonstrations of the Holy Spirit of God. And there's no disputing we're living in a later time, the latest time anybody's ever lived, right? No disputing that. And so these things that have not come to pass yet, they must, they must happen. So you and I, God could have had us born in another time, but he didn't. Here we are, here now on the cutting edge. Of the advancing of the kingdom of God. In the last of the last days that's ever been. Somebody say glory. Glory Glory to God. Glory to God. Well other scriptures talk about preparing one's heart. For things. God would sometimes before he manifested himself among his people. He'd tell the people to get ready. Prepare yourselves. Sanctify yourselves and prepare yourselves and get ready. And that's what I have the sense of that we're doing now in this series we're beginning. And in this time, we're preparing for the manifestation of the sons of God and the glory of God. And if you're with us at the week of increase, we touched on some of these things. Numerous times past, God has begun to move and men messed it up. This has happened repeatedly. And we don't want to do that. Do we? We don't want God to begin to do something in our midst that is obviously him and not us. And then us get in the middle of it. Mess it up. Cross it up. 
Well, some things people do because of ignorance and others just disobedience, pride, a number of things. But I believe the Lord will help us uh, that we won't be ignorant and know better how to cooperate with him. So we're beginning something this morning we're calling reverence and glory. Reverence. Somebody say reverence. Reverence and glory. As uh, having the privilege of working with Brother Kenneth Hagin for a number of years, I heard him say over and over about the connection of reverence and the manifestation of the Spirit of God. And he'd say at different times, he'd say, you know, we this generation is irreverent. They don't know about reverencing the things of God. And he'd talk about services and times that they had had in times past and the reverence that they had. He said the people had a reverence for God. That people don't have today. And I heard that. And made note of that. And saw a little bit of it. But in more recent times. The Lord has just stirred me on this. And I've gotten revelation on it. I've seen some things I've not seen. And uh, how important it is. And how it goes to our very core of our being. Of who we are and what we are. And how much. It is involved in faith. Faith and reverence are inseparable. And really I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But a lack of reverence indicates a lack of faith. Lack of faith. So we're going to get into some of these things. And I'd ask you to believe with me. Believe with me. Because we don't want to just talk about them. To log some more information in our head. We want to do it. Right? And if we do it and it is the word, God will respond to us. Won't he? If we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. He will respond. We must believe that he is. And what else? We must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We don't want to be a nominally spiritual church. We don't want to be satisfied with little and so far less than God's will and plan for us. Many, many, many Christians, many millions of Christians, that they're okay being a Christian as long as it does not interfere with their life. (laughs) They don't mind giving a few minutes to it on Sunday. They want the designation. They sure like the idea of being saved from hell and what happens at death to go to heaven. They sure like that. But limited, limited. Don't ask for more. Don't want the preachers asking for more. They don't want the church expecting anything more. Do we want to be a church like that? No, we don't. We want... To be people of God. That God is manifest in our whole life. We have the manifestations of the spirit at our house. In our car. Come on now. In our businesses. We're led by the spirit. Every day. God is real to us. His presence is manifested. Come on now. His presence. His anointing. How many like the presence of God to be so strong that when people just start to turn in here, they drive by on the strip. They sense. They sense whether they know what it is or not. They sense the peace of God, the life of God, the joy of God, the glory of God. Well, you won't have that seeing how little You can get involved with God or how quick you can get out of service and all those things are, you know, people, they want what they want from God, but they don't want to get any closer than they have to, to get it and then go back to what they want to do. Well, there needs to be some folk that are hungry enough. They want it all. We want it all. What if that means other people think you're peculiar? (laughs) <laughs> what if that means some folk don't understand you? Well, 
And it was that way with Jesus. I mean, how many understand if you act like Jesus, you're going to get the responses he got, good and bad. There were people that loved Jesus as he walked the earth and thought he was amazing and wonderful. There are people that hated Jesus and despised him, and the servant is not above his master. You follow God fully, you'll have some of both. Oh, Brother Keith, I don't want that. Sorry, it comes with. (laughs) They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer some persecution. The scripture is about a hundredfold, right in the middle of it. Anybody remember what it said? You know, you'll receive now in this time a hundredfold with persecutions. Oh, wow. But the glory... The sufferings, you know, are not even worthy to be compared with the glory. So let's get into this. Are you there? First Samuel, the second chapter. This basic principle of truth we'll be coming to again and again. First Samuel 2, the Lord said this concerning some individuals, preachers, ministers who were dishonoring him. 1 Samuel 2 and 30, the latter part of it, he said, Them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The uh, BBE says, I will give honor to those by whom I am honored, and those who have no respect for me will be of small value in my eyes. Do you see the law of sowing and reaping? The universal. If you honor God, what's going to happen? God is going to honor you. Now, one of the greatest ways God honors us is with his presence. Somebody say glory to God. God. Moses talked to him about that because after the sin of the people, it appeared like the Lord might not be going up with them personally. And Moses says, if you don't go, then just don't even take us. I don't want to go. And finally, the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And that chapter talks about how the people of God are distinguished among all peoples, and honored by God's presence being in their midst. How many know church just ain't church without him? (laughs) Praying ain't praying without him. Reading the Bible and trying to teach and do stuff is just intellectualism and without him. None of it is worth doing without him. But we are not without him. He's with us. He's in us. But I have seen through the word that we're going to be talking about that there are things you and I can do that will initiate a greater manifestation of his presence in our life. People have Thought and implied that you just have to wait and pray and beg and hope that God will show up and manifest himself. Well, he will do what he said he would do. And he's already told us what to do that would allow him to respond to us and manifest himself to us. He said, if you'll love me and keep my commandments, I'll manifest myself to you. Well, can you count on that? If you do what he tells you to do and love him, he said, I will manifest myself to you. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You believe I'm a good God, I'll I'll respond to you. I'll reward you. So, if you've ever experienced much of the anointing, much of the presence of God, then you'd join in with people like uh, Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and different ones that talked about they'd rather have the anointing of God on them than to own the whole world with a fence around them. It's what the drug addict is looking for. It's what the alcoholic and 
sex addict and is looking for and the covetous person that thinks they have to have all their things or they can't be happy. God made us. We're spirit beings. He's the father of spirits. And he is what our heart is crying for and hungry for. And when you're hungry in your spirit, you can stuff your mouth full of food and gorge yourself and you can watch TV till your eyes are bloodshot and you can buy everything that you can muster credit to get and still won't touch that, won't feel that inside. But the anointing of God, the presence of God satisfies you. That's what we're looking for. That's our future. That's what we've come from. That's what we're going to. We come from glory. We're going to glory. But we don't have to wait to get there between here and there. We're supposed to be advancing from glory to glory. Increased manifestations of his presence. I believe there is a, from the word, there is a direct connection between greater reverence and a greater degree of the manifestation of his presence and his glory. But when you say reverence, a lot of times people's mind goes off on a tangent and they equate it with depressed. (laughs) Think about it. You're talking about being very reverent. What do people usually think of? No fun. People do not equate fun and reverence. Do they? And yet God is a fun God. This is something the devil does not want the world to know. Because people grew up in churches where they had no fun. No fun at all. Right? They, many grew up in homes where parents or grandparents or different relatives were so hard lying about all they heard about God was you can't do this, you can't do that, don't do this, don't you dare do, don't even think about doing this. And what the kids got and what the teenagers got was God is no fun. Church is no fun. The things of God, prayer is no fun. No fun in the Bible. Are you kidding me? All these names you can't pronounce. And these and thou's and durst thou, wouldest thou. Not relevant for today. Hmm? All lies. I said all lies. God has always been the life of the party. Always. Always. In the old covenant, he commanded, not suggested, commanded his people to get together multiple times in the year. And more than one, he commanded them, rejoice. Rejoice. Give glory to God for everything he's done for you. Commanded them to party. But see, people equate partying with sin. No, you don't have to sin to party. <laughs> Some folk want to chew on that the rest of the afternoon right there. And I thought partying was sin. God invented partying. The devil just perverted it. God invented good music. God invented fun. God invented life. Exhilaration. Joy. The devil has just twisted things and perverted, taken beautiful things and made them ugly, twisted them and tried to change them. Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews 12. Reverence and glory. Reverence and glory. Hebrews, let's lead up to this because this chapter has... This in more than one place. On your way to chapter 12, stop by chapter 5. It's right on the way. 5 and 7. Talking about Jesus. 
who, talking about Jesus, Hebrews 5, 7, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers with supplications and strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Somebody say feared. feared. The New Living says God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence. For God, the NIV said he was heard because of his reverent submission. That's a good term, and it's in keeping with the rest of the text here, the rest of the passage. He was heard, why? And we're talking about Jesus' prayers being heard because of his reverent submission. Fear, the King James says. Go on over to the 12th chapter, please. Hebrews 12. He's talking about being corrected and being chastened. And he said in Hebrews 12 and verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now see, again, you see the connection of reverence and submission, subjection. The same word translated submission is translated subjection in the New Testament more than once. Somebody say reverence Reverence. and submission. What is submission? Submission is a yielding to, a giving place to. Can you already see if you're talking about more reverence equaling a greater manifestation of God's presence? What if you said it this way, more yielding to his spirit? More submitting to his spirit and more manifestation of his spirit. I mean, that's perfectly reasonable, isn't it? Take a, the Holy Spirit's a person. Take any human person. How many understand the more you give place to a person, the more you're going to hear from them? Amen. What if you never shut up and they are a polite person? <laughs> well, you're not giving place to them. What if they are an elder to you, they are more developed than you, they have a greater place than you, but you don't give them that place, you rebel against it, then you are not going to hear from them. And you're not going to see what they would do because you're not giving place to it. And it's because of a lack of submission, yes. And we live in a world where even in the church, submission is looked on as a dirty word. Isn't it? People don't even like the sound of it. Do they? It's been taken out of marriage vows. Boy, y'all are getting too quiet. It's been eliminated. Well, we won't say that you submit to us. We all work together. People don't like it. They don't like it. But it's Bible, my brother and sister. It's Bible. And it's not just something that you can ignore without consequences. You don't have to submit. Nobody does. But if you don't, it's going to cost you. I said it's going to cost you. And if you don't submit to God, then there are going to be a lot of things of God you're not going to have. You're not going to see them. You're not going to hear them because you're not giving place to him. Whoever you respect, you give place in your life to. We're going to get into this further. But the more you respect somebody, the more place you give them in your life. Like You can say it like this. The more access you give them in your life. We live in a proud, rebellious generation. And because of that, there are limitations, there are walls, there are doors closed. How many think we should reverence God fully and submit to Him fully? 
and yield to Him fully. If we do, and as we do, is it going to affect us in our life? Is it going to change things? Will we hear from Him more? Will we see more of Him? Will we have more of Him moving in our midst? Yes, we will. There are millions of people who don't even believe in God. So they're certainly not reverencing Him. But then in reverencing Him, there are degrees. Romans talks about people that there was no fear of God before their eyes. Somebody say none. The Bible talks about one individual says, Obadiah, for instance, he feared the Lord greatly. And sometimes individuals are referred to who feared God above many, it said. What does that mean? Their respect and reverence for God was above other people's. It was beyond other people's. And there are people who got used of God. How about where you and I are today? Could we grow? Could we advance? Could we develop in this? That's what we're embarking upon this morning. That this whole church congregation, hmm, not just doing services, but every day of our life, would walk in a greater awareness and greater respect and reverence for God and all His words and all His things, His Spirit, His people. And does that mean our fun is over? No. No. Means we're about to have more fun than we've ever had. Now, if the two don't seem to go together in your head, well, let's get your head fixed. (laughs) Hebrews 12, go on down to verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, or that things that may be or can be shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably. How, what would that be? Serving Him acceptably. How would that be? The very next phrase. With reverence and what? Godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. People who know God and have had some experience with Him tend to reverence Him greater. (laughs) People have in their mind, in fact, the psalmist said on one occasion, God said to an individual that was portraying God wrongly, said, you thought I was such an one as yourself. (laughs) People create God in their own image. Try to. God is not a Baptist God. He is not a Catholic God. He's not a word of faith God. Are you with me now? He's not a Hollywood God. (laughs) Certainly not a fairy tale God. God is the Almighty. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the eternal one. Oh, come on. Now, we have barely touched the reality of him. And people live in an imaginary world that they've created. The devil is the master and lord of the false. False. He's a liar. And he's the father of lies. That's why you and I ought to detest anything that is untrue. I mean, we ought to despise it. If it's about us, or that doesn't mean you despise people, but you can despise the lie they told. 
I want you to say it out loud because you're quoting uh, being like the master, like the Lord. Say it out loud. I hate lies. I said, that's a strong word. Hate, we're not supposed to hate. You're not supposed to hate people. You can love liars and hate their lies. But you need to hate lying. I mean, it needs to be something so strong in you. If your child comes and tells you a lie, the world needs to stop. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, everything needs to come to a screeching stop, and it needs to be a huge deal. I don't care if it takes you days to get through with it and get it done. Lying is completely unacceptable. It goes to the heart of what you are. There's no such thing as someone who's a good person who lies. No such thing. You say, well, they're a good man, you know, but you have to watch them. They'll lie to you. I'm sorry. Lying reveals the core of a man, the inside of a woman. That's what you are on the inside. No, Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. The Bible is the word of truth. Somebody say, I love truth. You just got through saying you love Jesus. You love the Holy Spirit. You love the Bible. Right? Say it again. I love truth. Above everything. I love the truth. And I hate a lie. You need to feel very strongly about these things. And I know you've heard me talk like this before. And you may just think this is my little personal soapbox. But it's not. I'm telling you. You need to be. Other things that people make such a big. People make such a huge deal. Somebody smoked a cigarette. Somebody took a dip or a chew. Somebody said a cuss word. You know, somebody drank a beer. These things are not what Christians make them out to be. Smoke is just a bad habit. You can love God and smoke like a stack. (laughs) Now, I'll dispute anybody that argues with me about that. I do not agree with you. You can love God. And drink a case of beer a week. And love God. You can love God and be addicted to stuff. Did you hear me? Just be weak. Yielding to your flesh. Did you hear me? But I'm telling you, lying, lying. Far worse than all this stuff. You're talking about things of the flesh. God sees the heart. Did you hear me now? People make such huge deals out of stuff they can see and stuff that's of the flesh. Smoke goes in, comes out. Huh? You said a bad word. You shouldn't have. You need to renew your mind. Doesn't make you a devil. Somebody needs to hear this now. But lying. Lying is the language of the devil. Lying and deceiving is the nature of the devil. God's enemy, your enemy, you must hate it. You must despise it. And make up your mind, I will not be a partner to a lie. I don't care if it costs me my house. I don't care what it costs me. I will not lie. I won't lie for you. I won't lie for anybody. I will not lie. Come on, somebody say it out loud. I will not lie. I refuse to lie. To make money. To get a job. Keep a job. Get a possession. Make a friend. I will not lie. I refuse to lie for any reason. This is important, guys. What does this have to do with reverence? The most severe judgment in the New Testament, the swiftest, most severe, was when two people stood up and lied in the presence of God moving in the church. Ananias and Sapphira, you remember. And it was over money, wasn't it? It was over offerings. 
And I'm believing God for greater manifestations of his presence. I'm believing God for the spirit of God to manifest himself in this place. I mean to the very fabric on the walls are permeated, soaked with the anointing. And these seats are soaked with the anointing. You know, cloth can conduct anointing. And uh, in the midst of that, you don't want to be getting up telling lies. (laughs) Right? So if you've been a liar, it's time to repent, time to change, get it straight. Certainly don't lie to me and Phyllis. Don't lie to your ministers. Certainly don't do it. Don't take, be a man. Take your medicine. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't want anybody to know it's that way. It is that way. Be a man. I'd much rather have a sinner who knows they're a sinner. that look me in now and go, yeah, I did it. I know it ain't right, but I did it. You can work with that. Instead of some hypocrite. They're just lying and looking at you and lying. You can't help them. You can't deal with it. All of us have missed it. All of us have made mistakes. And anybody that's got any maturity and love, not interested in judging you. Not interested in making you feel bad, condemning you. We got no interest in that. We want you delivered. We want you free. But you got to be honest to get help. Got to be honest. And probably this bunch around here, we probably already heard it. (laughs) We'd probably be hard to shock. (laughs) And even if it is something new we never heard before, we still believe God can help you with it. You can overcome. Nothing's too hard for him. (laughs) Can you say glory to God? When you reverence God, you don't lie in his presence. You don't lie to his people. You don't lie to his ministers. That's one of the most irreverent, disrespectful things you can do, isn't it? How many think somebody would have disrespected you about as much as they could to look at you and lie to you? Well, what about lying to God? And that's what Peter said, the Spirit of God through him, that they had done. He said, you didn't just lie to men. You lied to God. And they fell dead right on the spot, showing how serious of an offense that it is. Somebody say not us. Not us. We'll, tell we'll tell the truth. Even if it costs us. It costs us. We'll, tell it. we'll tell it. Keep reading. I'll read that phrase again. Let us serve God. Let us have grace. Whereby we may serve God acceptably. With reverence. And godly fear. For our God. Is a consuming Fire. God is awesome. We should be in awe of him. And we sh- we, I'm going to talk about, for lack of a better phrase, different kinds of fear that the Bible talks about. Did you notice he used a descriptor here? What kind of fear? Godly fear. Now we know that We've not been given the spirit of fear. We camped on that for months about how the Lord has delivered us from all our fears. We're not supposed to have any kind of phobia of any kind. We're not to be afraid of anything, not of death itself. Christians are not supposed to be afraid of dying at all. And if you're not afraid of dying, it delivers you from a whole other host of things that's connected with it. When people say, well, I'm afraid to drive in traffic. Really, they're afraid of having a car crash and dying. I'm afraid of flying. Really, they're afraid of crashing and dying. Right? They're afraid of dying. But when you're delivered from the fear of death, then at the same time, you're delivered from all these other phobias and, and fears. We should not be afraid. Because the Lord tears is coming in just a little while. You're going to die. Do not be foolish and try to act like you're going to live like you are now forever. And you and the people you know are always going to be together. You're not. And you're going to be where you are and do your little job and go through your routine. Soon and very soon, you'll not be doing that anymore. I've done it for the last 45 years. Well, then very soon. (laughs) You're going to be doing something else. 
<laughs> and you don't need to be foolish and try to pretend. How many understand people try to hold on to this? Their little routines that makes them feel safe. And we do this on Tuesdays and and we eat chicken fried steak on Wednesdays and meatloaf on Thursdays and we and we play golf this day or we go fishing this day and this friend this is the, one of the shortest things we'll ever do what's going on right now <laughs> we need to be prepared things are about to change completely totally change and if you're a Christian you're a believer you know God and you're already walking with God it doesn't scare you because it really doesn't matter where you are if you're with him how many believe you could go through the galaxy you could go anywhere anytime any place as long as you're with him anything comes up you go I'm with him (laughs) I'm with him (laughs) who The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the risen Savior, the Lamb of God. I claim Him, but the amazing thing, He claims me. Hebrews said He will announce and confess before His Father. He claims us as His brothers. Glory to God. If that's real to you, you're not afraid of anything that's coming up. And isn't that what he said? Well, you're, it's right there. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. Hebrews 13, 5. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say. I mean, you just get sassy about it. You go, mess with me, I'm with him. I'm with him. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Come on with the rest of it. The Lord's my helper. You might say, don't we need to say, we're his helper? No, he said it the way he wanted to say it. The Lord's my helper. He helps me. How many know the Holy Spirit? That's his name. The paraclete. The comforter. One of the best words to describe all those names that you see in the Amplified Bible. The helper. Capital H. The helper. The Lord is my helper. Come on with the rest of it. Put it up again. I will not fear. What man shall do to me? I have no fear. Why? He's with me. Isn't that Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I what? I will, not might, I hope so, we'll see. I will fear no evil. Why? Why? He's with me. Because I'm with him. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. What? His power, his ability, his spirit's ability to direct me. His holy angels, we should fear nothing. I said we should fear nothing. Not not in this life, not in the next. We should fear nothing. But now, Jesus said pray that his will would be done on earth as it is. In heaven. If you and I got transported out of here. And it could happen. You could just not breathe. The next five minutes. (laughs) And you know what happened to you? You are out of here. And just in a short amount of time. You could be in the presence of the master. How do you think you'd act? You think you'd act a fool? Hmm? Or do you think you'd act like it's no big deal? How many think you're going to be at the throne and the father sitting on the throne and the rainbow behind him and the winged creatures crying holy and the elders and all the millions that are there and you're going to go, yeah, I read about all this. That's neat. This is neat. 
I'm glad I came. <laughs> Saw all this. How many know you're not going to stroll through like you're at Disney World? <laughs> what would be markedly different? Come on, help me out. Now, what would be mark? How many think you are going to be and everybody else that's there in awe? In awe of him. There's not going to be any light, trivial, neat, that's great, super. <laughs> nah, nah. There's a whole nother level. How many think there's nobody in the throne room disrespecting God? There's nobody there lightly esteeming Treating as trivial what's going on. And how many believe the presence of God there is something we can't describe in our language right now. Nobody's there believing God to manifest himself. Because <laughs> there he is. There he is. And the throne is just... <laughs> with power. I mean the power that is making the sun shine and holding the planets together is coming from there and everybody is just worshiping and but they're not depressed. Amen. And they're not condemned. Amen. They don't feel guilty or ashamed or embarrassed or like they got no right to be there. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory as far as earthly expression of it. But at the same time, it is awesome and complete reverence and respect. Well, why shouldn't it be that way here? Why shouldn't it be the same way? Well, he's not here. That's why we walk by faith. He is here. We don't see him on the throne, but we do it by faith. We worship him here by faith as though we were there. Oh, come on now. As though we were there. You got to do it by faith because you don't see him. And we're not feeling in our bodies what they're feeling. And yet, if we do it by faith, we're going to have more feelings than we've ever had. Because God will manifest himself. Why? Because we did it by faith. We worshiped and reverenced that way without feelings and seeing that qualifies us to experience some of his presence now. Here. In this life. Somebody say glory to God. Thank you. Master, say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. Oh, Father, we worship you. Oh, we give you glory. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We give you honor. We honor you, Lord. We reverence you. Glory to God. Let me talk some more about this. Can you take some more of this today? Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. What would be acceptable service to him? In reverence and godly fear. Somebody say godly fear. There are hundreds and hundreds of references to the fear of God in the Bible. Not just Old Testament. New, this is New Testament, right? And we could show you more, and we will show you more as time progresses. References to the fear of God in the New Testament. But now, I like this qualifier, godly fear. And one translation says, holy fear. If there's a godly fear, what else must there be? There are three things I've seen in the word concerning fear that helps me distinguish them. I'll call them like this. One of them is what we've seen here, godly fear, which is what we're going to focus on. 
talk about, develop in. Another is what I'm going to call fake fear, false fear, which would be formal fear. Somebody say formal. formal. It's a formal fear. It's also a false fear. Uh, go with me to a scripture on this. Isaiah 29, 13. Or you can just look at it on the screen. Isaiah 29, 13. This is quoted in the New Testament part of this. But the rest of the verse here in Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. This is a man-constructed, man-taught fear of God. And you see it in religion with people who don't know God. And yet all the people get, they don't know God, they've not been born again. But they're taught you're supposed to be afraid of him because he can destroy you. And children, mothers tell children stories about God getting them to put fear, the fear of God into them. And it's wrong. And so, and many times, sadly, many, many times people are successful. They put That man taught fear of God into them and they are an adult now and they are afraid of God. But they don't want anything to do with him. They're afraid of him to the point that they just want to stay under the radar. Just hope God don't notice them. They don't know him. He's not real to them. They have no concept of his love. When the Bible says fear God and this godly fear it is not talking about this. The NIV says their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. The basic Bible says their fear of me is false. A rule given by the teaching of men. The Amplified says their fear and reverence for me are commandment of men that is learned by repetition. Without any thought as to the meaning. And you'll see people they're so gruff and they're so hard. You better respect God. You better fear God. I fear God. And these are the same people that get so mad and upset at folk like us that talk about I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, they can't stand that. Or to dare say, I heard from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. Ooh, drives them up the wall. Very idea. These people, God talked to them. One guy said, all these people, I always told them like God told them this. God, they bother me. The guy said, well, it's all these people who never hear from God that bother me. (laughs) And the thing is, why are they that way? Because they don't know him. And their fear of God is a religious thing that is taught by men. And it is formal and it's cold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's ritual. You do the same thing at the same place every time. And what if a three-year-old acts like he's having a little fun? Mama's going to clamp him. Shh, shut up. God gets you. God will get you. Millions, that's all they know about God. Be afraid of him. Well, you better do right or he'll get you. That is not what the Bible is talking about when it says godly fear. This is something the Lord says he does not want us to have or be a part of. Finally, in 1 John, talking about this, the fourth chapter, something that helps differ Because we're going to be talking about the fear of God, the fear of God, the fear of God. And if you've heard the right things, you've been trained and taught, don't have any fear. 
And how can both of them be right? Well, the fear of God has to do, and you see these words used this very in our text here, serve God with reverence and godly fear. He uses this word to help qualify it. Somebody say reverence. Reverence. Now, 1 John 4, 18, put it up on the screen if you would. To me, it's one of the biggest things that help you see the difference. 1 John 4, 18 says what? There is no fear in love, and yet are we told to fear God? Yes. Keep reading. Perfect love does what? Casteth out fear, yet we're told to fear God. Because what? There's the thing that helped me qualify and distinguish godly fear. The reverent fear of your father God does not include torment. If you're tormented by the thought of God, you are not reverencing him. You're not made perfect. You're not developed in his love. You don't know how much he loves you. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Fear, this kind of ungodly, devilish fear, has torment. Another translation said, fear has to do with punishment. Why would people be afraid of God? Because they don't know him. They're in disobedience. They're afraid of punishment. They're afraid of his judgment. They're afraid of his punishment. Now, if you know about God and you've heard about salvation and you say, I don't need him. And I don't care about him. You ought to be afraid. (laughs) I said, do you mean reverent? No, I mean afraid. (laughs) Afraid. (laughs) Hell is terrible. The judgment that's coming is terrible. And if you are not going to serve God and you're going to ignore God and reject God, you got something to be afraid of. Our God is a consuming fire. But if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and he's paid for all your sins, then you got no punishment coming. You got no judgment coming. You say, yeah, but I've missed it since I've been saved. That's why the Bible said you're supposed to confess. Judge yourself. Confess your sin. Then he's righteous. He's faithful. Right? To forgive you and cleanse you. So now you got no judgment coming. you got no punishment coming. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. So then you're not afraid that he's going to punish you. You say, yeah, but I've been a bad man. Did you repent? If you've repented, you've got no judgment coming. Well, I've sowed bad seed, and I guess I just got to reap what I've sowed. No, he reaped what you sowed. Christians walking in fellowship with the Lord are to have no fear of punishment from God. No fear of judgment at all. Yet this is not taught in all churches, is it? I mean, it's taught that, oh, boy, you better live a good life because you get to the pearly gates and meet St. Peter. And he'll have to see whether you did enough good works to get in or whether they turn you around and send you down. That's somebody's imagination. That is not the Bible. That is not reality. No. It's not going to be decided after you die whether you were saved or not. That's decided here and now. You chose him as your Lord and Savior. And if you did, and if you've repented for your sins, even though they may be many and grievous, that's what Jesus was doing when he took that terrible judgment hanging on the cross. He was paying for it. Come on now, he was paying for it. Went to the heart of the earth. He paid for it. He paid for it. Somebody said out loud, I will not be punished. Because he was punished. I will not be judged. He was judged in my place. Glory to God. 
And if you believe that, you got no fear of judgment. In fact, in this same passage, he said, there's no fear in love. And he talked about in the, uh, on down in the 17th verse, herein is our love made perfect that we may have what? Boldness in when? Come on now, you get this, it'll make you shout the rest of the day. That you'll have what? When? Huh? When God, who is a consuming fire, is judging mankind, you're going to be doing what? Not bold. You're going to be hiding somewhere, listening for your name, hoping, hoping somebody calls your name. No, no. I'll be somewhere listening. No, you're going to be front and center. Not afraid of the judgment. People are being judged. Serious. But you're not afraid. Keep reading. Why? Why are you not afraid? Why are you not afraid? You're going to have boldness. Somebody's getting this. In the day of judgment. In the day of judgment. This is the opposite of this has been taught in churches. Hasn't it? Oh, it's going to be a fearful day. Fearful day. To some... To some, but not to us. We will actually be not arrogant, but bold, confident. Standing right there, why? In the day of judgment, in front of God. Why? Because I'm with him. I'm I'm with him. As he is. Because that's who we are. We're in him. He's in us. Our righteousness is his righteousness is our righteousness. Us being accepted was because he's accepted. It's his acceptance that's ours. We got the same right to be there that he does because it's his right. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. But again now, not a tormenting fear of being punished and judged. We won't have that and we're not to have any of it down here and now. None of it. No fear like, no tormenting fear like that. And yet, how many, even though we're bold, how many think we'll be reverent? You know we will. You're not going to be smacking gum and clipping your nails during the judgment. Asking somebody, when's this going to be over, you think? I <laughs> no, bold, but not, not irreverent, not disrespectful. And that's what we've got to learn down here, down here and now. And that's what we're embarking on this morning. We're going to believe God, right? We're going to believe God for utterance and revelation and anointing. And we're going to learn. I'm going to learn. You're going to learn. We're going to grow as a church family. Us, our children, our grandchildren are going to be reverent and respectful. We're not going to have a bunch of loud mouth, ignorant, rude, crude, uncouth kids and because we're that way ourselves. Nope, nope. Nope, we're going to be one of the most respectful, reverent, dignified, understanding groups. A lot of stuff we haven't even seen because we've grown up. We, the previous generations have lost stuff. And our, everything's too casual and too loose and too disrespectful. And people don't even see it. They don't even call it that. They're like, ah, no big deal. Yeah, there are a lot of things that's a big deal. 
And how many understand God should be a big deal? Everything we do concerning Him, not half-hearted, not sloppily, not lightly, not frivolously. We serve a great God. A great God with the greatest name and the greatest person. And everything about Him should be exceeding, magnificent. It should be glorious. And wonderful. And you and I can have fun. We know he loves us. We don't have to be afraid of him as far as judgment is concerned. But for everything he's done for us. And to know who he is. We ought to be so deep in our respect. Everybody stand up. Said out loud, I love God. I respect God. I have great reverence. Not little. Great reverence for my Father. I have great reverence for my Lord and Master. I have great respect for the Spirit of God. For the Word of God. For the people of God. I reverence. I have respect for God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.